been uh, going after. It's been so fun. I've got so many manuscripts to read. I'm curious how other people do that. They probably have a team that reads, which I do have a team that reads. Um, but it's been fun receiving people's messages, their heart call, sealing things like that is like wild, right? Any sort of legacy seal I think is incredible. And I think ultimately legacy seal is connected to, uh, connected to our word, which is from the word. I was falling asleep last night with my kiddos and we were talking about the word and how it's everlasting and out of your heart, your mouth speaks and all these different pieces. And <laughs> I started praying and all of a sudden Cooper was like, amen, which is his nod to say, mama, can you stop praying out loud? Cause I'm trying to fall asleep. <laughs> Cause I'll just keep going and going. Once you start going in prayer, at least for me, especially at the end of a day one fast, I was like, hungry. He was hungry. And that's honestly where it came from. He kept saying, I'm hungry. I really want food. And he's surely eaten all day. His athletic body just allows him to uh, burn calories, but I'm sitting there hungry as well and have a headache. <laughs> like boy, please stop talking about food. Let's feast on the word of God. Let's feast on the word of God. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. So I had to go through this whole preaching sermonette before we fell asleep last night. Luckily, we both fell asleep, both didn't need to eat, and he told me this morning, he said, when you wake up, will you make me a really big breakfast? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. However, your father might do that for you, or your dad might do it, because I need to stay out of the kitchen. However, that's not what this is about today. I wanted to share about friendship through the lens of the Lord, and I've been walking through a season of life where friends have been going and coming and leaving and coming and not leaving like we're no longer friends, not nothing tumultuous, nothing like that. Um, just like, you know, seasons of life where you spend more time together with people and then seasons of life where whether they're having babies or they're newly immersed in a relationship or they started a new job or there's so many different things that and reasons that we come and go in through the life, which is why seasons of life are so beautiful and why friendships are so beautiful. It's those who can last the time, right? And so I sat at lunch with some friends on Saturday and uh, I got to introduce new friends to new old friends, which is always really fun. And it was so wild to think back through the seasons because they're like, well, how do you guys know Tamara? And so going through those conversations, like, man, these two were my bridesmaids. That's so crazy. And then even before that, when we knew each other in our wild years in college and things, it's this knowing that there can be a steadfast love and a steadfast respect for people no matter what's going on in life. And so this morning, when I opened up 1 Samuel 18, it was talking about David's friendship and kinship with Jonathan, who was Saul's son. And, you know, you hear about David and Goliath. You hear about David and his betrayal. You hear about him being a mighty warrior, maybe him as a harpist. Uh, but you don't really hear about him as a friend. And so I was journaling about, what kind of friend and friendship did Jonathan and David have? And it was enduring. Ah, oh, Cindy's on. I was just thinking about and talking about your daughter without actually saying it, but talking about friendship and David and Jonathan's friendship, like what kind of friend were they and what kind of friend are you? And ultimately in reflection, obviously by myself and with the Lord, what kind of friend am I? And I think so, so many times we can get in this place of, I wouldn't say selfishness, but just we're in our own world, we're in our own heads, we're in our own problems, that we aren't even focused on other people to the same extent, right? Like going in and warring on behalf of a friend, going in and standing up on behalf of a friend, going to that friend when they're in a hard season, um, and just what does friendship mean? What does it mean to you? And I know I'm a good friend, and I know that you're likely a good friend too, but what is a steadfast friend? What is a friend like Jonathan who would go to his own father and risk his own life to speak on behalf of your friend? Are you willing to do that? And I think of Saul many times, even though he was 
wild and out to kill and destroy David and break their friendship apart and was talking terribly. So like gossip is a big conversation towards friendship. Um, thought pattern, right? If we're supposed to take every thought captive, surely there can be conversations that you're having in your mind about said friend. And how are you acting? How are you responding in that? How are you giving an ear or a shoulder or wisdom or lack thereof? Are you just good at listening and holding space? Are you good at spoiling your friends and understanding that it comes out of a place of no expectation and response? So I was looking to Saul a couple times as like a father because he is Jonathan's father and thinking about how Jonathan approached his dad many times. And it reminded me of Moses and Aaron and Aaron going on behalf of Moses to the father, to our father in heaven. And so have you made a list lately of friends that just need prayer, that just need you to go on behalf of them to the father? I I pray for my friends often, especially when we've had a time to like connect and I hear how things are going. And then I'm like, oh my goodness. That's a wild situation. That's a situation I've never experienced. I've got friends on here right now. Marcus just came in the room. Hey, Kelly, how's it going? Thinking about friendship and what kind of friend we are. And how can we practice? We practice being a better daughter or son every day, I hope. We practice being a better wife or or husband, perhaps. We practice being a better parent because these are things that are like constantly in the mist. But what about friendship? Those dead zones where you don't see your friends, those times where you're not communicating. How can we be better people? How can we be better? You're here as a, as a business entrepreneur, as a founder, an innovator, a visionary. Maybe you're a teacher, you're an educator, but ultimately we're all gatherers of community. We live in a community. We exist in a community. We thrive in community. We know isolation is of the enemy. And so I wonder from a community standpoint, how is this an effective part of your strategy? How are you growing your community leadership abilities? And are you willing to go in front of said friends, even in their hard seasons, even at risking your own life, your own understanding, right? There are times that Jonathan couldn't possibly understand what the father was going through mentally, what David was going through mentally, and he stood in the gap. He stood in the gap. And I want to be a kind of friend who stands in the gap. I'm thinking of the moment when David and Jonathan were um, ran into each other after David had already fled because of Saul trying to kill him with an arrow. He got mad at him a couple of times. I never realized how much like betrayal was taking place in that. And even from a friendship perspective as a spouse, when Michael, his wife, David's wife, protects him and lies on his behalf. Now, I'm not one for lying, but I am one for protection. And she did that. And then she had to follow that up and be like, he would have killed me if I didn't let him go. But ultimately, all of it was because they saw the God on top of David's life. They saw the spirit inside of David, and they wanted to see him thrive, and they knew that he wasn't in the wrong. Sometimes I've been the friend who's in the wrong, and I was projecting said problem to my friends. And so this isn't just what kind of friend are you when it comes to stewarding friendship and giving of yourself and loving on them. But how do you carry your problems to your friends? Because your friends aren't the fixers. Your friends aren't the ones with the ultimate wisdom. Your friends might hold space for you. They might protect you. They might come up with a plan of action like Jonathan did. Go here, do this, listen for this word, not for this word. Don't go to that thing. Don't do it that way. But even still, if we're not hearing from the Lord, our actions shouldn't be concretely sound just because somebody else has walked out a scenario. Because we want to walk in righteousness. And that's what David did so beautifully. 
He really did. He was constantly having conversations with the Lord through this time. And even Jonathan, who as a friend was like, you know, I know you don't trust me right now because you don't trust my dad. So come with me and let me say an oath before the Lord. Are you doing this for your team members? Are you doing this for your employees? Are you doing this for your right hand EA, VA? I remember when I was bringing on some new VAs last year and we would just pray. We'd be like, can we just pray together as a team? Because I don't think anything else can secure a relationship besides prayer. Sometimes if things didn't go well or something didn't turn out the way that we had hoped on either end, I'd be like, can we just pray? I remember when Morgan had told me essentially that she was going to fly off into sabbatical land, which sounds so amazing. She's like, I'm going to the beach all day tomorrow. I'm like, I want to do that. But she's hearing from the Lord in a beautiful season and stepping into some new higher callings for herself and emboldening herself and stepping in confidence and trust and faith. So happy for her. And simultaneous, when I got the news, it affected our relationship. Didn't affect our friendship, but it reflected the dynamics of our relationship. And so there's tension. And all I could say, all I could do was hold space. I can't negate that she hears from the Lord. You can't negate that your friend is doing what the Lord has told them to do. And if they don't know the Lord, that's a whole nother conversation. But I trust the God within my friends and friends who come to me for counsel because they know I know, know God. I cannot speak out of one side of my mouth and hold truth in my heart on the other side. This is where being honest is so critical. This is where sharing what you're thinking, but not what you're thinking, what you know, like wisdom and knowledge are different, right? And if they're not asking your opinion, please hold back. Please hold back. You can actually deter people so much by sharing your opinion. Your opinion is not truth. I know that's hard for people to understand, but your opinion is not capital T truth. It might be your lowercase t truth. It might be what you hold as true, but that's not the case all the time. And so we have to bring those things to the Lord. And that is why when Jonathan was like, David, come on, I know you don't trust me right now, but let me just seal this oath with my father. Witness this prayer. Witness me consecrating myself before I go back into my father's realm, house, potential anger, He couldn't believe David in that moment. He's like, there's no way my father would deny me like that or lie to me or keep this from me. This happens all the time in relationships. And hopefully you're tracking all the different variables that are taking place. But when we pray, oh man, pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Truth comes up. It wells up inside of us. Peace comes up. Comfort comes up, a space of just laying down and resting. We need to rest, right? My friends at lunch that I mentioned on Saturday, you just need to rest. And we also need to realize that there are other people championing for us who see us in our circumstances, even in seasons that they can't do anything about it. But this is where honesty comes back into play. If we can't be honest with our friends, truly, about what's going on with things, and I, and I am fully guilty of this, which is why I'm talking about it. It's not about just this season. It's not about my immediate relationships right now. It's about relationships that are old and past, seasons that are old and past. But I feel like if David didn't have this friendship in Jonathan, We actually don't know what would have happened to him. He could have died, but he had a friend standing in the gap. And that's because he was honest with him that Jonathan was able to do so. And so I had seasons where I was keeping everything inside. I wasn't even trusting my husband, my very best friend, my mom, also one of my dearest friends with information that would have been helpful They could have stood in the gap for me. They could have gone to God on my behalf. Now they weren't in their faith like they are now. And so 
I surely wasn't even thinking about this. And so if you know people who are prodigal or, you know, people who have yet to have an encounter with the Lord or, you know, lukewarm friends, friends who are like, yeah, I believe in God. But then you're watching their lifestyle unfold and you're like, oh man, that's not, that's not the way that he would have you walk your life out. The Lord is actually really clear. It's one of my favorite things about the Bible is that it's clear. I mean, it might, you might read it and be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But the Ten Commandments are clear. And though, though people don't walk in the Ten Commandments fully now because of the covenant love and what Jesus did on the cross for us, ultimately, it still is the premise and the solid foundation for us to walk in righteousness. I heard this recently, which was really powerful. And I think in association to this conversation with friends, it can be really, it can be something that we can help people understand. Because in that dark season, when I was walking out my own ways, my own ideas, my own um, limiting beliefs, my own way of self-protection and self-preservation, I think that's ultimately where a lot of people walk, even in places of depression or anxiety, is like they're self-preserving, okay? It has nothing to do with you generally, though it feels that way sometimes. Or if they're lashing out in anger like Saul did so much, it has nothing to do with David. That's what Jonathan asked over and over again. Like, what did he do to hurt you? What did he do? But it was jealousy. It was anger. It was the knowing that his season, his time with the Lord, his covering had been lost. And so he went into rage. He went into jealousy. And that happens often. And so what I wanted to share connected to all of this and how we walk and how we talk and how we share and how we give and how we receive Receiving as a friend is also critical and why I didn't go to some of those friends was I was like, I can't, I can't receive anymore. And I also didn't want to receive correction. Come on. Who's with me in that? Who's like, I don't want you to tell me that I'm wrong. I, I know what it feels like. I don't need you to also tell me because it feels like extra darts are being thrown at you just as darts were being thrown from Saul to David. But David wasn't in the wrong, so those were not completely accurate. So here I am thinking about this idea of righteousness connected to friendship. And I read it this way. I wish I could remember the verse. It's not a Proverbs. I'll have to find it. Um, But it is talking about how righteousness is a gift. Kelly's always on here. Got my back in that. Look up the Bible verse where it says righteousness is a gift. So many of us believe, and I, I think I can get stuck in this, even though I know faith without works is dead. It is not by my works that I am saved. By grace, I am saved. Okay? Faith without works is dead, but by grace, I am saved. And being a part of salvation, having our salvation, having that covering from the Lord, we are given the gift of righteousness, And I always thought that righteousness was something that was earned. And I know God's love isn't earned. He loves me no no matter what. I know forgiveness isn't earned because I'm going to keep messing up. And the weight of the world, right? We're in sin. We're in our fleshly bodies. So we're constantly in a state of repentance. And we're just coming closer to Christ. But righteousness, I thought, man, I'm convicted of something. And therefore, I want to release it. So let's talk about, we're actually about to be on our four years of no alcohol. And sometimes I'll mention it at sobriety, but we didn't struggle with addiction in that regard. It's just something that's a part of our family. And we really didn't want our kids exposed to that or experiencing it. Or we also didn't want that to be a crutch or a suppression mechanism for us to hinder our friendships, our relationships, our marriage our parenting, all these things. So I thought about that when I heard this. I'm like, gosh, is my giving up or not drinking alcohol making me more righteous? And in that righteousness, am I more capable of my calling? It's a really good question. God, am I more capable in my calling because I'm saying yes to the convictions of my spirit that I know are connected to holiness 
but perhaps not connected to righteousness if righteousness is a gift. I believe we get to walk in righteousness every single day, but it's based on our actions, our faith in action, that allow us to maintain the integrity of the gift. Romans 5.17, coming in for the clutch, that's it. Righteousness as a gift. And so when I had this revelation, this is just last week, I'm like, whoa, whoa, nothing I do out of a desire to be more like Christ, out of a space of conviction, an opportunity to be a better friend. Oh my gosh, follow Jesus, not even David and Jonathan here. Follow Jesus when you think about friendship and the forgiveness and the overflow of love and generosity. But I can't earn my righteousness. And when I thought about that from a space of giving and receiving, I told you we gotta be better at receiving. I've received righteousness. When you receive a gift, how do you steward it? Sometimes when I'm with my friends, And I'm literally like with them in person, just loving it and present. And I'm just asking the Holy Spirit, God, give me the words right now. I'm holding space for them in that problem. I'm holding space for them in that desire. And problems and desires can be the same or totally different. Can have synopsis of, of compounding. This is my problem and this is the desired outcome. But sometimes it's like, this is my, this is my blessing. And yet my desires are still here. I can feel that way and I can bring that to my friends probably a lot. So sorry and not sorry. (laughs) Thanks for being safe spaces for me to share as I evolve, as we become. We should be celebrating our friends in the process. Not finding jealousy, not finding anger, not finding resentment, not finding lack of forgiveness, not finding uh, comparison. She's better off than I am. I'm better off than he is. (laughs) We put ourselves on this hierarchy. And if all of us in our salvation are gifted righteousness, we know that there's an innate barometer inside of people that allows them to increase the heat or decrease the heat based on their knowledge, wisdom, expertise, but also the spiritual realm. This is where some people who aren't used to talking about demonic or the spiritual realm they forget and everything connected to a friendship or a relationship is about one and the other people do this in marriage all the time it's him against her it's him against her it's him against her and we know that we do not fight against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities of darkness so imagine him and her you and her your bestie and you And there is in the middle a chasm that is trying to constrict both of you from operating as one. Come on, somebody. People are in your life with purpose. I do not believe there's one person that I've come across that I now call friend that doesn't and shouldn't operate alongside me as the body of Christ. I don't. And so whether or not they are in their salvation, whether or not they've received the gift of righteousness, whether or not they've received the gift and they're not stewarding it well, none of that matters because they're still a part of my body. And I think that's why when the Lord says, what you do for the least of me, you or the least of these, you do for me. What you do for the least of these, you do for me. And we're so often thinking about the least of these as, the orphans or the homeless or addicts or people who have these like grave struggles. But what if the least of these is simply the brother or sister who has received the gift of righteousness and has no idea how to steward it? Gosh, what if you see the call and the mantle on someone's life? Like I do on Morgan and I have this desire to keep her close as a friend, as we support one another. And yet, as I watch her go and do and become, I can find myself, why do I feel this way? I think there's a sense of like isolation and rejection and abandonment, which have nothing to do with that situation. 
And everything to do with past trauma, with generational cycles, with things that are going on in society, maybe even with control, because I have lost friends in the past. And so I think about all of these pieces. And so often we're flying through life. We're flying through life. We're so fixated on time. We're so fixated on the next job. We're so fixated on money or comfort. We're so fixated on the things that are within our four walls, which are so precious, but there's more. There's friendships that are family. And my curiosity for you today is just, what kind of friend are you? And it goes back to the idea of friending yourself. <laughs> People hear this around like the self-love industry, self, self-help industry. Are you good at befriending yourself? Have you taken yourself on a date? Do you enjoy being alone? Had this nephew that is precious. He is an incredible communicator. Doesn't matter what kind of day he's had, he comes up to you and he wants to know how your day was. He wants to hear, he wants to actually have conversation back, not just a good, not good response. He wants like truth, depth, reality. 10 years old. And his mama was telling me just on Mother's Day that he loves to be with people. He will go up to any stranger and become friends with them. They'll be two years old. This is his best friend. He'll be 20 years old. It's his best friend. They'll be six years old. His best friend. He just is a communicator. He loves community. He loves people. And he told his mom that he's not happy when he's alone. He's only happy when he's with people. They were doing a morning roundtable discussion on what is happiness. What a great parenting strategy, right? Asking these really in-depth questions to kind of understand your little people and also for you to reflect and maybe teach in that moment this question, what is happiness? Or today, what is friendship? What kind of friend are you? Simple question. So much depth. So much depth. And so when he said that he's only happy with people, it made me process, why would that be? And How do we also help him find contentment in being alone? There are going to be times that God calls you into isolation. There are going to be times that God calls you, not isolation from a state of anxiety or depression, but isolation in your calling, isolation in your vision, isolation in your health journey. Like you're the only one who's doing this thing. You're the only one trying it this way. Maybe it's in your journaling. Maybe it's in the church that you go to. There's so many different ideas of why God would call you to be alone. Have you friended yourself in those seasons? And ultimately, have you found a friend in Jesus? Oh, man, I could think of so many little like play school hymns of having Jesus as your friend. And he talks to that around his disciples often. We can understand him. Some of us, it took me a long time, but some of us can understand him as Abba, as Father. Some of us can understand him as God Almighty, the provider. He's never not provided for me. But what about friend? He's as close as your breath. And therefore, what friend you have in me, says Jesus. And yet we can't process that. What about that irritates you? What about that makes you uncomfortable? Is it because... You're not stewarding your gift that he's given you well. The gift of righteousness. Because if you, he's that close and he sees your cadence of life and he sees the things that you're saying and talking and acting and not doing and doing. And he's like, like Mary and Martha, would you just come sit with me? None of those things matter. Just be with me. If my friend gives me, I let my daughter's, uh, friend, I'm her auntie, come and get my daughter's friend, my friend's daughter, I'm her auntie, let's say that again, borrow a surfboard this morning, and she came before Palatine Free, she was going for a sunrise session, and I totally gave her the wrong board on accident, I gave her a paddle board, and the surfboard is right here to my right, so I realized that on my way out here, but I was thinking about her, her understanding of friendship, 
through a liaison role, through an auntie role, even this morning, so many relationships unfold around us on a consistent basis. She's spending time with a friend of the opposite sex. How do we steward friendship in that space? So speaking to the gift of righteousness, I give her this surfboard. I almost fell. That was when I fell off the ladder that I mentioned earlier. And she walks out and she turns like a sharp turn because she doesn't carry a surfboard often. And she hits the board. And I'm like, oh, be careful. It's precious. It's precious is what I thought in my mind. And then she got in the car and entrusted her with that gift. She's not a surfer. She knows how to surf, but she's not a surfer. She, the person driving the car, they don't have it on the racks. They're putting it in their car. Think about what you're doing with the gift of righteousness that's been given to you. And if Jesus is that close, and he is, what is he watching you do with it? Is he constantly saying, oh, be careful. That's precious. Or is he on the side watching like, ride that wave of righteousness? He wants to celebrate you. He's not here to condemn you. Are you that kind of friend? Are you the listener? Or are you the one who always has a response? That is actually your opinion and not truth. We're going to tie all this together because my legs are hurting (laughs) and I'm on day two of a fast. So my energy feels a little low right now, but I pray that this meets you. Oh yeah. Come on. I'm looking at all of your all's comments. You want to be a better friend. Kelly makes the best cookies. You're the best cookie giver. I'm a recipient. You've learned to be alone. Yeah. I think learning to be alone and still having fun and still knowing that like Christ is with you is such an amazing quality to have because there's that sense of contentment no matter what is happening and no matter who is in or out of your life, right? We got to be both. We have to be able to be with people and enjoy it and be alone and enjoy it because regardless, you're never alone. Oh yeah. That's so good. I love you guys so much. I hope that you guys learn about the gift of friendship today, the gift of stewardship connected to friendship, the gift of righteousness, and what that means alongside your walk as a friend of Jesus, as a friend to all your friends. If we're not stewarding that gift well, it's really hard to be a good friend because being a good friend requires righteousness, in my opinion. And when we don't, we don't steward that well, we get into our flesh. And that chasm that I talked about, that can be between you and the person, whomever it is, no matter age, race, gender, political preference, denomination, like all that aside, human to human, heart to heart, the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the author of all lies. So he's spewing lies this way. He's spewing lies the other way. And you guys are coming together. And because... There is not this synergy in the center because you're not consecrating your friendship like Jonathan and David did in prayer and oath. It's breaking apart. It's crumbling before your eyes. And years down the road, you're like, what happened? I don't even know how we stopped communicating. I don't even know why we don't get together anymore. And as I mentioned, there are seasons 100%. But in those seasons, are you still reaching out? In those seasons, are you still being a light? In those seasons, are you still providing truth and hope and reminder of his love, which is greater than your love, but it also dwells within you? God, we just thank you for the gift of friendship. We thank you that we have an opportunity to have companions on this side of heaven. We thank you that ultimately you are our greatest companion. You are our friend. We thank you for the word and the example that it is to our lives of Jonathan's oath and the way that he stood in the gap for his friend. We thank you for Michael, David's wife, who protected and shielded and stood up for goodness and truth and her husband. God, may I stand up for my own spouse. May I stand up for my own friends. May I take oaths connected to our righteousness together. So that their glory, their names, 
your glory connected to the Christ that dwells in them may be seen, known, and heard, stewarded beautifully among the world. God, as a remembrance to the fact that they are a part of my body and they matter, their health matters, their wealth matters, their fruit matters. God, maybe be one to draw people in to abiding in you, Lord. Friendship is the gift of abiding <coughs> together as one. God, we love you. We lift your name up on high today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen, amen. I love you guys so much. Emily, I see all your comments. Yes, spiritual warfare has been a thread. Girl, it ain't going away. So learn how to fight it. Pick up that armor. Understand. I'm in the part um, of Samuel where David gets Goliath's sword. I didn't even know that this was in the Bible. There's so many things that we just skim past because of the big stories or what people will teach you on stage. But man, I'm like, what is he going to do with that? Does it work? Does it fit? Can he use it? Is it enemy's territory? I don't know. We're about to find out and I'm sure I'll tell you, but I love you guys. Chat soon. All right, quick interruption, but actually it's not really an interruption. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to come deeper, not just be a podcast listener that we really never get to interact with, but be a part of the family. Be a part of the foundation of what the Founder Collective is heart premised on. And that's Ephesians 2.19, that we are found in Him, that we are a family and operating as one on the foundation of Christ with Him as our chief CEO, our chief cornerstone. And what does that look like? How can you come in further? Well, we have a weekly Founder Collective call. That's a Zoom call. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It's open conversation, similar to how we have this podcast talking about business practices and truth principles and how we're actually living a life on purpose and in the presence of God consistently. Additionally, we're inviting you to our annual conference. This is be our third annual conference. You can go to thefoundercon.com. Again, that's thefoundercon.com. And you'll get to hear people like Jay worship and teach and share from his testimony. Anthony, Pastor Anthony, the bearded wonder. (laughs) He's going to come to you with his fiery flaming shoes and his voice and the belly. The fire that's within his belly comes out in such a dynamic way when it's on stage. Myself, my team, and all the incredible people who are part of this family. It's not just us. And we want you to be in on the us because we want to make way for your message, for your movement to be known and to be equipped and to also be resourced. We love sharing resources, which is what we do in that weekly call. So you're invited. You're invited. Come one, come all to all the things. If you need more information, I'm sure wherever you're listening to this or seeing this, you can get it in the link. So look, go a little deeper, go a little further into what God is calling you into. This is a summoning. This is a call. This is a roundup for you to also be fully founded in him as a founder in the Founder Collective.
All right, quick interruption, but actually it's not really an interruption. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to come deeper, not just be a podcast listener that we really never get to interact with, but be a part of the family, be a part of the foundation of what the founder collective is heart premised on. And that's Ephesians 2.19, that we are found in him, that we are a family and operating as one on the foundation of Christ with him as our chief CEO, our chief cornerstone. And what does that look like? How can you come in further? Well, we have a weekly founder collective call. That's a Zoom call. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It's open conversation, similar to how we have this podcast, talking about business practices and truth principles and how we're actually living a life on purpose and in the presence of God consistently. Additionally, we're inviting you to our annual conference. This is be our third annual conference. You can go to thefoundercon.com. Again, that's thefoundercon.com. And you'll get to hear people like Jay worship and teach and share from his testimony. Anthony, Pastor Anthony, the bearded wonder. (laughs) He's going to come to you with his fiery flaming shoes and his voice and the belly. The fire that's within his belly comes out in such a dynamic way when it's on stage. Myself, my team, and all the incredible people who are part of this family. It's not just us. And we want you to be in on the us because we want to make way for your message, for your movement to be known and to be equipped and to also be resourced. We love sharing resources, which is what we do in that weekly call. So you're invited. You're invited. Come one, come all to all the things. If you need more information, I'm sure wherever you're listening to this or seeing this, you can get it in the link. So look, go a little deeper, go a little further into what God is calling you into. This is a summoning. This is a call. This is a roundup for you to also be fully founded in him as a founder in the Founder Collective. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.